we've been talking about in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number one, we've been talking about the, uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And we looked at the three gifts of the Father. We, uh, hey, uh, could somebody, Justin, could you just turn that board around for me? Thank you, buddy. Uh, we've been talking about the gifts of the Father. We've been talking about the gifts of the Son. And now we've gotten into the portion of Scripture in Ephesians where we're talking about the gifts of the, uh, the Spirit. And amongst that, uh, we, we, we kind of planted here uh, on verse number uh, 12 and uh, uh, 13 that talk about how that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And what I wanted to do is kind of stop right there for a second, okay? And, 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 and it's been three weeks, so more than a second, I guess. But, but really start to look at, okay, listen, the whole point and the whole purpose of Ephesians is to prove, uh, not really prove, but to put forth what is the purpose of the church. And if we don't get that, we're not going to understand what our walk really should look like. And if we make church about our preferences, we're going to miss what it's really all about. And that's going to cause us uh, a lot of major heartache in the long run. But if we do understand what the church is all about, i.e. Ephesians, then we can start to begin to living uh, begin to live uh, as God actually intended us to live as Christians, okay? But before we can ever get there, we better make sure we get this one right. Because if you don't get salvation right, then you're never going to be able to walk the walk that you're meant to walk. And so that's why I thought, okay, as, 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 as much as... Uh, we probably just want to keep plowing through Ephesians and, you know, hey, Pastor, we've been doing this since January 1st. We're only on verse 12. Come on, man, let's go. We're going to go, I promise you. A lot of the stuff we're getting uh, put on the table now is only going to help us when we do go. Um, there won't be a lot more addendums. There'll be a few more as we go, but not many, that many more. So once we're done with this one, we're, we're, we're really going to be able to start to dig into what, uh, what Ephesians has for us. But I want to make sure I get some of these things out of the way because... If we don't understand them, then the rest of the book of Ephesians isn't going to make as much sense as it could. Does that make sense? And we want to make sure that it makes sense to us and we understand that what God's calling us to do in these things, you know, there, there, there's something to all of that. So if, uh, if you got your Bibles, and I, and I hope you do, uh, go with me to Romans 8 and um, understand that the book of Romans uh, there's a lot of things going on in the book, but the book itself, really, its, its primary focus, especially in the first eight chapters of the book, is to really help us understand what true biblical salvation looks like, okay? Th that's the point. What we've talked about over the course of the last three weeks is really Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, in a nutshell. And you can see, you know, we, we're dead, Right? We are physically dead and we are spiritually dead in this world from an unsaved position. We are walking according to the course of this world. We are 
bound by the world system. And the little g, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, God of this world is the one that is leading us down that path, which leads us into spiritual darkness. Because men love the darkness more than they love the light. Because we love our flesh. You know, it's that whole Terrell Owens thing. We love a me, some me. We just do. And we live in a day now where it's being... Listen, at, at all times in history, men were always loving themselves. Don't, don't, don't miss that. The problem is today, it's permeated the church. And that's where it now becomes dangerous, very dangerous, because as we come together in churches all across America this morning, what is being delivered at the pulpit matters. It does. And, uh, you know, when we are promoting the idea of self, which is what most churches are going to do, we're heading down a very, very dark path. Uh, Pastor Robert's been doing a great job on Thursday night talking about uh, a lot of the issues that and how we got to where we got, and he's been honing in on that humanism and what basically humanism is. And if you've been here on Thursday nights, uh, you know what, what I'm about to say. It's, it's just lovers of our own selves, and that's where we are. And so because we are lovers of our own selves, we are children of disobedience. We, we are uh, walking in the lust of our flesh. We are without Christ. We are without hope. We are blinded and we are unprofitable in that position. That's what we are. And the wages, uh, it's appointed on the man, wants to die. And we're all going to die. And the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. Nobody is righteous. We're all sinners. We all are walking according to the course of this world. We all are children of disobedience. We all walk according to the flesh. We all have been permeated by this self-love. And it's elevated to now even more than it ever has. And that's, it's one thing to be unsaved and those things uh, are going down. I mean, that's a problem, of course. But it's a whole other thing when we're bringing all that into our churches. And that's where we are today. And so if we're going to understand what it is that Paul's really trying to get across in most of his church epistles, if not all of them, we're really going to understand it. We need to understand what we were. You can never know what you need to be if you don't know what you were. It's just the reality of it. That's why you need to make sure you let people know the bad news before you can ever tell them the good news. Because they need to understand their predicament. You know, it's like if you walked into a, a doctor's office, right, and the doctor said, well, yeah, I see some symptoms here. Here, take that medicine. Well, why? Why do I take that medicine? Well, just, just take it. Well, I don't really, me personally, I don't like taking medicine. I'm not a big pop pills in my mouth guy, right? Like, I know what, I, I like to know what I'm taking, right? So I'm not going to just start taking medicine just because you told me to. Well, if you don't take that medicine, you're going to die. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> 
You need to know your problem. You need to know what the issue is so that you will take that seriously. And Paul spends so much time talking about our problems. You know, realistic, if you really pay attention to a lot of Paul's writings, man, it almost seems like he's talking about negative things way more than he's talking about positive things. Why? Because he is. <laughs> you know, and, but we live in a day and age where we just don't like that. We just don't. Tell me the positive stuff. You want to know why? Because it's all about me. Humanism. It's all about me. Tell me the positive stuff. Don't tell me about that negative stuff. I don't want to hear that. There's too much bad in the world. You're right. There is too much bad in the world, and you better understand that. And you better understand that we're going to fall into that bad in this world if we don't get things right. So what Paul does here in Romans is, is he lays out in those first three chapters, he really nails it home to what we are without Christ. What, what, we, uh, what our problem is. Uh, Romans chapter 3 is probably one of the greatest uh, uh, chapters of, of, of just calling it for what it is uh, that you can find in the Bible, uh, honestly. And, and if you look at the last, uh, what, verses 20 to 32 in Romans chapter 1, I mean, listen, you don't need to go much farther than that. You know, we are lovers of self more than we are lovers of God. We are lovers of pleasures more than we are lovers of God. We, uh, uh, we are, uh, uh, have become blinded. Oh, I don't even say have become. We are blinded to truth. We are blinded to the realities of, of what it is God wants us to do. We are um, we're foolish, and our foolish hearts have become darkened because of it. It's just a reality, and the re, you know, a lot of times when you have conversations with people and you're trying to have a, 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 a legitimate conversation of where they're at, they're so focused on themselves they can't see past it. And it's always I, 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 well, I think, well, I think, well, I, I don't. Stop. We got to stop worrying what I think. By the way, me too. I don't care what you think, and you shouldn't care what I think. The reality is, is what does God's word say? And if, if we, listen, if you're not a Christian, your eye is going to be the most important thing in your life. That's just the reality of it. But if you are a Christian and eye is still the most important thing in your life, you better watch it. You better watch it because there's evidence that you might not be a Christian. You understand what I'm saying? I'm being serious when I say that, and I'm going to show you uh, if that, that, that is exactly the, 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 the reality of, of it all. Um, I hope that you see uh, my notes here that I've given to you. Um, listen, I ain't trying to say uh, that ain't on it, but that's on it right there. You want to understand biblical salvation? I gave it to you, man. There you go. You are going to be able to, to go through this, and if you really take the time to go through it, uh, you are going to understand what biblical salvation is really all about, and you're really going to understand how this should, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, just understanding what it's about is only as good as what you do with it. That make sense? So uh, who am I? Who am I? We've spent weeks talking about, listen, you, you are a sinner. You uh, uh, are, are children of disobedience 
you walk according to the course of this world and you are all about you. Now, what makes that hard, okay, and this is where we can get deceived real easy, uh, and I'm just going to use uh, 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 the LaVoy family for a second as an example. Amy sat up here and sent major praises to dad. And by the way, I know the man, and I know he did all those things. And those are all great things, no doubt. But where the problem is, and now I'm not using the LaVoy family as an example anymore, where the problem is, right, is, okay, that's great. From an earthly standpoint, Dad did a great job. Ingalls, Dad did a great job. You understand? But just because dad did a great job from an earthly standpoint doesn't mean dad's where he needs to be at a spiritual standpoint. And there's where the lines get crossed. We, that's why we go, oh man, man, you know, that Nick, man, he's just a great guy. And he is a great guy. I agree with that wholeheartedly. However, that doesn't mean that Nick hasn't fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't, who establishes what good is? It's God who establishes what good is. And God's not looking for great guys. God's looking for righteous men. And there's a difference. And we live in a church house today where that's not what's being promoted anymore. It's, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so. Uh, he'll give you the shirt off your back. Well, great. I'm glad. Thank you. I appreciate that. That, that, is, that is a good quality of somebody, but that ain't going to save you. You can give the shirt off your back all day long. It ain't going to save a person by doing that. Do you understand? And so we got to be careful not to mix the two. Because as great as a dad as Claude is, as great as a dad as Nick is, as great as a dad as Jim is and, 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 and Ray and, and John and, and maybe Robert, we're working on them. Uh, as great as a dad as these guys are, listen, uh, None of them come even close to how great of a dad that guy is. Okay, he cares about things far beyond what we have to offer. Does that make sense? Okay, and it needs to make sense. Now, that doesn't diminish what these men have done for their families. Don't, don't get me wrong. That doesn't diminish it at all. But we need to make sure we don't mix and blur the lines. Because we have a habit of doing that. And we got to be careful not to blur the lines because what is a good person? Somebody who took care of their family? Well, okay, but what's that going to do? No disrespect. Yonder over here. Yes, I I've, I've provided food for him. Yes, I've provided uh, uh, clothes for him. Yes, I've made games for him and all the boys, okay? Yes, we, we do a lot of fun things, okay, and all that. But none of that stuff matters on the Day of Judgment. None of it matters. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not a thing of that matters. What matters is his relationship with the Lord. That's what matters. And what has happened today is we have blurred the lines. We really have. And we need to be careful not to blur the lines because... We're all sinners, and we all come short of the glory of God, and we are all children of disobedience. We have a, uh, uh, a sin problem, 
It's a disease. You know, sin, the best way that God uh, uh, pro provides us examples, and remember, God is a picture. He shows us in pictures. We've been talking about this uh, for a long time now. God is a great picture shower. That's how he teaches us. And the way he teaches us about sin, it's, it's like leprosy. Sin is like leprosy. Now, a lot of us today might go, I don't really understand what leprosy is. Okay, fine. The best equivalent that we probably have in our society today is cancer. That's what it is. Sin is a cancer. And once it takes hold, and number one, where does it start? Can you see cancer? You might see the effects of it, but I'm saying when somebody first gets cancer, can you see it? Because where does it start? On the inside. And that's sin. Sin starts on the inside, and if you don't do something about it, I promise you it will kill you. I have a mom to prove it. It will kill you. And that's how God relates this thing, man. He uses leprosy. Leprosy starts on the inside, and eventually it does start to show on the surface, and limbs start falling off, and bad stuff happens. As Kathy would say, bad juju goes down, uh, okay? We don't want bad juju up in this place, okay? Listen, it's important to understand what we are, okay? It just really is. We were degenerate. We were all those things I said on the board, and because of all those things, we were dead. I don't care if you're walking around, you're a dead man walking, okay? Because separation is what death is, and being separated from God is dead, and you can be dead while you're living. And Ephesians 2, when we get there, Lord willing, uh, we're going to see that that is a very, very true statement. Okay, listen, we have a corrupted image. Now, we just talked about this this morning at 9.15, right? We talked about this image of God and what that is all about. Our, our image and our likeness is now in the image and the likeness of Adam, Genesis 5.3. We're corrupted. Our spirit has been darkened. Our spirit, it's dead, it's dark. Our, our conscience has been seared. We don't know and can't differentiate the difference between right and wrong. Now, hold on. People are going to go, oh, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, we can. No, the difference between right and wrong in God's eyes, not yours. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what's right and wrong in God's eyes, not yours or mine, because what's wrong with in my eyes and yours eyes, that goes back to that humanism thing. It's about what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. What does God say wrong? That's what we need to understand. That's what we need, because our minds are blinded from that. You don't need to turn there, but just maybe note this in the notes, because I don't think I did make the notes there. But if you were to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number uh, uh, 11, it, it talks about how we have been uh, 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 blinded by, uh, no, 2 Corinthians 4, right? Yes. It talks about how we've been blinded by the God of this world and, and that our, uh, is it 1 Corinthians 4? What is it? 
Oh, I'm on chapter 5. That's my problem. Yes. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Listen, we are in the kingdom of darkness. We can't see. And because we can't see, we are going to, by default, see what we want to see. Do you understand what I'm saying? And listen, we've got to be careful about that because it is and it will be a problem for all of us. Our, our, our communion with God has been thwarted. We're not in communion with him anymore. Our, our soul is debased. And I've provided verses for you to go, uh, and I would encourage you, go look these verses up. Look what God's got, don't, don't, who cares what I got to say about this subject? Look what God's got to say about this. Our minds are reprobate. Do you know what a reprobate mind is? It's a mind that is all about what I think. That's what a reprobate, it's a mind that does not have, as Paul calls us to have in Philippians 2, the mind of Christ. We don't have the mind of Christ. We have our own minds, and we do things the way we like to do them. And we, you know, God rest my mother's soul, man. If I, I pray that her soul is resting. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if I had to guess, it wouldn't be a good guess. Okay, but 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 I'll say this: one of the biggest things that I had a problem with my mom when we had conversations and stuff is she would she had this what I would call Judaism, not Judaism, Judy. Her name was Judy. It was Judaism. And what I mean by that is she just took a whole bunch of different ideas, threw it in a, in a salad bowl, and just put it all together, and there it, there it was. It was, it was, you know, the religion of Judy. And listen, we all have that if we're not careful. We all have our own religion if we're not careful because we'll make up our ideas of what we think this thing should look like. And trust me, it will drive you. It will. Because your flesh... But just know, in Romans 8, it says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. How many things are good? None. No good thing in your flesh. And we have to understand that. We have to get to the place where we get, this isn't about what I think. Because if you don't get there, you are going to fall. Don't say, I got it. I'm good. No, you're not. Pride comes before a fall. I promise you, you don't have it. I promise you, I don't have it. I promise you, we don't have it. And I promise you, this world don't have it. Our will is weak. Our mind is reprobate. Our emotions are deceitful. Well, God knows my heart. You're right. He does know your heart. He knows your heart more than you know your heart. And he knows that your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what God says about it. God just knows my heart. How many times I hear that with, by Christians? I should know your heart by seeing you. Do you understand that? When I talk with you and when I see how you interact and I see how you treat other people, and not, I should know your heart if you're a Christian. God shouldn't be the only one that knows it. That's not what you've been called to do. Does God know your heart? No, we all should know your heart. Because that was a heart that was transformed. Not the cop-out. God knows my heart. I didn't intend for that. You may not have intended for that, but that's what happened. 
And that's how it went down. So fix it. Fix it. Our, our bodies have been diseased. Our bodies are conquered by death. Uh, Romans 7.24, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And listen, I want to make sure you understand, you understand something. Paul wrote that. The apostle Paul. Romans was written a good 20 years around after his salvation. He's already written a whole bunch of New Testament books by the time he gets around to Romans. The apostle Paul struggled with the flesh. Are any of you or me or or anybody in this world, Pope included, are they better than the apostle Paul? No, no. Paul wrestled with it. If Paul wrestled with it, I guarantee we all are going to. And I'm not trying to lift Paul up onto an elevated level, but I am lifting Paul on an elevated level because I would say he's probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. Anybody want to argue that point? Because I think he is. I mean, if we're going, he flat out says, unarrogantly follow me as I follow Christ. And God put those books, or those words, in his book. So God must want us to follow Paul as Paul followed Christ. And if he had problems with these things, so do we and we will. Don't get arrogant. Don't get arrogant and think that you know so much about the Bible that you just trump God. It's a, it's, it's a tough place to be, man, and I've seen it way too many times with people. But listen, our body is diseased. It is headed for death. Humanity, apart from grace, has only the mind for the flesh. You're in Romans 8. Look, there is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. And by the way, what that means is, Christian, stop acting like the sinner you were. Well, I just have liberty in Christ. I'm just saved by grace. Where does it say that in the Bible? Show me that verse. Because I haven't found it. No. I'll show you a whole lot of verses where God's saying, stop acting like that. Cleanse yourself from all, how much? All filthiness of the flesh. Cleanse yourself from it. Don't continue being what you were. That's not you anymore. Start being what he is, because if he's in you, that should be you. Yeah? Is that, is that, is that okay? Look, for, for verse 3, for what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is, y'all see that? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. That's just a fancy word to say you're at war against God. 
If you're carnally minded, if it's all about you, if it's all about your opinions, if it's all about what you think, you are at war against, not me, not what this church stands for, but you're at war against me and what the church stands for if we're standing on this. But this is God. That's what you're, that's what you're fighting against. And most people don't recognize that. But listen, the carnally minded is death, but the spiritually minded is life. And that's where you're going to find real peace. Real peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, you see that right there? Look what that says there. Really pay attention to what that says right there. If you're walking in the, in, in, in the lust of your flesh, you cannot please God. It's not that you will not. You cannot please God. Okay. We got a dividing line now. We need to come to the place where we recognize what we really truly think about this book now. Is this really the authority or not? If it's not the authority, then don't worry about that verse. doesn't mean anything. You just keep doing you so you. However, if this book is the authority, that verse better become one of the most important verses in your life. Because if you're walking in your flesh, you cannot please God. Does anybody think that might be a big thing? How come that's not being preached in church today? You just live your best life now. That's not what that says. What that says is if you're walking in your flesh, living your best life now, you cannot please God. Not that you will not. You can't. What, you don't think there's going to be an accountability for that? Really? Do we not think that? There is going to be an accountability for that. You better decide what you think of this book. You better get on board with what you think of this book. Stop saying that this book's just your authority if it's not. Because if it's your authority, that should perk every single one of your ears right now and go, okay, <laughs> in my flesh, I can't please God. Uh, so what do I do about that? I would think that we want to do something about that. And, and, and listen, verse 9 goes even further with it. Verse 9 might be one of the most important verses that a Christian should... Everybody look up at me. A Christian, just because you call yourself a Christian, just somebody calls themselves Christian, just because the church say they are Christian, doesn't mean they are a Christian. Okay? Watch. Let God tell you right now. But you are not in the flesh. So he's, telling, he's, telling, he's talking to believers. He says, but you, you're not in the flesh. Right? He says, but you're in the capital S. Spirit, the, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. If so be. Did you see what he just said right there? It, if so be, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, underline that, he is none of his. How much is none? None. None. Well, pastor, man, you know, I struggle with this, this, this walking in the flesh and walking in the... Listen, have you ever walked in the Spirit in the day of your life? And could you describe what walking in the Spirit actually looks like? 
Because I'm going to argue with you right now and say, if you can't, that's a problem. Do you even know what walking in the Spirit is? Do I know? Let me help you with something, okay? The Spirit of Christ came down on Jesus when he was baptized. Remember that? What did Jesus do from that point forward? Anybody? No? He went to people. He taught them about himself. He taught them about salvation. He built disciples up, and he sent them to do the same thing. So you want to know what walking in the Spirit has to do with? When Bill send. When's the last time you talked to somebody about Christ? Well, it's been a while. Did y'all read John 16 like I did? Did anybody else read John 16 with me? Where, where, where it tells you what the Spirit of God's going to do and what His whole purpose in you is? Well, if you ain't doing that, then what are you doing? I walk in the Spirit. Do you? And listen, I'm not the judge. Don't worry about what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just the one trying to point it out to all of us and say, hey, do we really know what walking in the Spirit really looks like? Do you know Enoch walked with God? Do you know that? I wonder what Enoch looked like when he walked with God. I guarantee you he wasn't walking for himself. I guarantee you his life wasn't all about his own personal wants and needs. He, he walked in the Spirit and did not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Y'all with me on that? Okay. Listen, if you're doing things for self, then you are fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If what you're doing... Here's the best way to know if you're doing something for God or not. Who's being glorified by what you're doing? Who's being glorified? Is self being glorified or is God being glorified? Which one? That's the best way you're going to know if you're walking in the Spirit or not. If you can look at that situation that you are putting yourself into and you can go, okay, who's going to get glory out of this? It's your best answer to your own question that you should always be asking. Who's getting glory out of this? Me or God? And do know that's the only answer. Y'all hear me? That's the only answer. Either you're getting glory or God is. That's it. That's it. There is no other. It's white or black. It's simple. Either you're walking in light or you're walking in darkness. There is no middle ground, America, church. We love that middle ground. And you want to know what Jesus says about that middle ground? Just go read Revelation chapter 3. I think Pastor Robert's probably going to hit on it pretty hard here in the next couple of weeks. It's literally Jesus is throwing that up right out of his mouth. That's what he thinks about the middle ground. Either the Bible says you are for me or you are against me. Church, we got to stop being Laodicean. We got to stop being so wishy-washy. We just are. We're very wishy-washy people in America. And we just go without any whim. And man, we allow our flesh to dwell up and direct our paths more than we think. So we have a disease problem. We, 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 we have a, an issue. Okay? Our, our, uh, our bodies are headed for a physical death because it's appointed on a man once to die. 
We are all going to physically die. Anybody got a problem with that? Anybody think that that's not true? Now, I will say this. If we are the generation that gets raptured out like Enoch, praise the Lord, Christians won't have to go through a physical death. But don't count on that because we don't know. We're not for sure of it. You can go step outside right now and get in a car accident and you're physically dead. You know, you hear me. Listen, we are all going to physically die. But don't worry about that physical death. Don't let the physical death make you afraid. You've got something bigger to be afraid about than the physical death. You need to worry about that. Spiritual death. The second death. Where not where your soul is being separated from your body, but when your soul is being separated from God for all of eternity. That is a far bigger deal. Absolutely great associate pastor. He'll be able to step into this pulpit and do a great job for y'all. I, I'm not, I, I don't fear any of that, man. Death is death. It's part of life. It is what it is. I don't fear it anymore. I'm, I'm being serious. I have no fear over it at all. I do not think about it anymore. I don't care. Whatever. When it's time to go, it's time to go. I get to go be with him. <laughs> Far better. <laughs> Paul even said it. It's needful for me to be with you. But I'd rather depart to be with the Lord because it's far better. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. It is far better. I can't see so good anymore. Man, when I wake up and get out of bed, I don't know about uh, some of you other older guys, man, but I'm like, oh my gosh. My knees hurt. My, 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 my shoulder constantly is hurting. I got, yeah, I'm playing the violin back there. I got you. I, I'm just like... Oh, my gosh. And it ain't going to get better, is it? It's only going to get worse as I get older, and I know that. You know, i got to consistently hear my wife, I can't see this. Can somebody help me? I'm like, yeah, because you're getting old. Your, your eyes are getting bad there, woman. That's what's going on there. Uh, listen, it, 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 it's part of I mean, Ray knows exactly what we're talking about. Ray's like 3,229 million years old, right, Ray? Somewhere around there? Close? No. A little less? <laughs> <laughs> Ray, I do believe Ray walked with the dinosaurs. I seriously think he did. Uh, but that's beside the point. But listen, man, 
But we got to know what we are. Why is that so? Why is that so bad? Really? Why is that so bad? Hey, listen. I would rather, honestly, I'm just at a place in my life now where I'd rather, like, hey, man, if you see something, call me out on it. Just call me out on it. If you go, dude, that is so, that is not right. Don't do that. Like, call me out on it. You are not going to offend me anymore. When I was younger, you would have offended the heck out of me. Now, I don't care anymore. Call me out on it. That's fine. If, if you're seeing something, man, go for it. You ain't going to offend me. And you know what? If you're right, I'm going to do something to change it. But you better, but, but, but your calling out better be biblical. Yeah. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Like, I don't care about your opinion. Uh, show me biblically that what you're calling me out on is right. And, and, and I got no problem with that. I do not think at any point do I think that I am elevated above any of you just because I'm sitting at a, at, at, a, at a pulpit. I have the same problems you have. I have the same struggles you have. I have the same issues you have. We're in this together. Okay, and if I'm going to be the person and Robert's going to be the person who calls you out for stuff, then hey, man, if you're seeing something in me and Robert, you have just as much right to call us out. However, what I'm calling you out for and what you better be calling out for, uh, us out for better be biblical. And that's really what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter 5 when he's talking about don't bring an accusation against an elder except before two or three witnesses. And those two or three witnesses better be biblical witnesses. That's what he's talking about. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so listen, we have a problem. We have an issue. And so what's going on now is Paul is spending a lot of time in Romans trying to explain to us what happens in the fixing of the problem. And you say, okay, why did you spend 45 minutes talking about what you're talking about? Because if you don't understand what the problem is and what happens in the fixing of the problem, then you might not understand if you are really saved. Because there's evidence to salvation. And if you understand what the problem was, and if you understand what God did in the process of regenerating you to fix the problem, then you're going to be able to look at yourself and go, well, is that happening? Mm, I don't know if that's happening. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, God just done work me over on that one. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I, I, would, I would say... There are many, many, many folks that are sitting in a church this morning. God help us if, if that's in this church. And if it is, that's okay. That's okay. Get it right now. I'd rather you get it right now than to think you're something when you're not. That's dangerous ground to be playing in. You don't want to play that ground. You want to get this thing right. We all want to get this thing right. And so what happens is God gives us some very, very clear, clear evidences of salvation. He, he just does. I mean, of course he would. You know, in, John, in 1 John 5, he tells us that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a, I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I, I want to be saved. No! You're going to know it because His Spirit's going to bear witness with your spirit of it. That's a biblical promise. 
So again, I go back to, is this book your authority or not? Do you believe what he said? If you do, then let's go. Let's talk about what biblical salvation looks like. And, and, and so, uh, and I'm going to make sure we're out of here at 12.15 today because I need to make up for you all for last week. So we're going to be done in 20 minutes. So there you go. Just, there you go. Y'all know I'm not going past 1215. We're stopping at 1215. All right. So, so just hear, listen in and, and let's go. Why? Oh, you watch. I guarantee it. Look, look at verse 28. Look at Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And, and can I just, can I just, everybody look up at me. This verse has been taught so wrong so many times by a pastor. Okay, let me teach it to you right now. All things uh, 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 work together for good to them that love God. Listen, first of all, the good is not you and what you get. The good is what he gets. Y'all got me on that? And you go, are you sure about that? Yeah, because read the rest of the verse, which so many people don't like to read. What does it say? To them who are called according to his purpose the good that's going to happen is according to his purpose not yours and if you don't get that look verse 29 for whom he did foreknow he also did pre oh there's that predestinate word well you know god picks and chooses who he saves and who he doesn't no 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 that's not what he talked about at all over there in ephesians 1 let's get it right who was predestinated? Jesus was. God predestinated Jesus to come to this earth and die on a cross for you and for me to fix our sin problem. That's what was predestinated. And what happens, go back to Ephesians now. Don't go back to Ephesians. I'm just telling you. If you went back to Ephesians, what happens is, is when you trusted in his word, when you believed on his word, the gospel of your salvation, you got what he got or what he gave you. That's how. You weren't predestinated. He was. And what did he predestinate amongst that is that you now will be like him. That's what was predestinated. I mean, just let's read the Bible, what it actually says, instead of putting stuff in there that it doesn't say. It says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also, look at that word there, called. Remember in Ephesians, how it talks about that you would know the hope of your calling? What the heck is that, pastor? What? 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 I have a hope of my calling. Make sure that your calling and your election is sure, Peter said. You hear that? Sure. Is your election and calling sure? Do you know what you've been called to do? Do you know what the hope of your calling is? Do you know what the purpose of the church is? Uh, no, I don't. Well, then how in the world could you ever make your election and calling sure? You have not been called to just show up at church. No disrespect to anybody in the things I'm about to say. Just hear me out, okay? You have not been called to a hope of singing in front of people, playing instruments in front of people, or I'm just uh, driving a bus, or painting, or cleaning the church, or whatever, leading the, wom the woman's one lengths, or, or whatever. You, 
You have not, that is not the hope of your calling. That does not make you a Christian. You have not been called to give money when the plate goes by. None of those things. Are all those things things you should do? Absolutely. But that's not your calling. That's not what the hope of your calling is. The hope of your calling is to win people to Christ, to build them up in their faith, and to send them to go do the same thing. End of story. That's it. You want to know if you're a Christian? Are you talking to people about Christ? Is the Spirit leading you in that direction? Because if you're not doing it, you are doing one of two things. And it's not between me and you. It's between you and the Lord. Either you're not saved or you are seriously grieving the Spirit. Did you hear that? Grieving the Spirit. It's not just, well, God knows my heart. You're right, God does know your heart and you're grieving Him. Anybody? Anybody okay? It's true. It's just the truth. Listen, it says here, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And let me tell you something, folks. Y'all been here, most of you, long enough. We've talked about this long enough. There are three processes of your salvation. And you need to understand that. There is justification, there is sanctification, and there is glorification. Justification is the day you called on the Lord and you really did get saved. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sanctification is you are now working out your own salvation. You are cleansing yourselves of unrighteousness so that you could be meat for the master's use. And then how you construct that is going to determine your glorification. When you're standing before the judge and you're getting judged, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, what you did with that sanctification process is going to determine how that glorification process goes. And if you don't believe that, then you do not believe your Bible. And if you don't understand that, then you do not understand your Bible. I don't care what anybody told you. I'm telling you, if you just read this book, that is exactly what's going on here. There is an order of, uh, uh, and a process of, of salvation. Uh, uh, justification is when you were regenerated. Do, do you understand what regeneration means? It's... it's Taking you from being sold into sin, bondage, and buying you back from it, there was a price that was paid for that transaction, okay? I mean, look how God does this. He's, here's the great picture maker, the great similitude guy, right? Here's how he's teaching us. You were sold as a slave to sin. Somebody had to buy you. Could you sell yourself out of sin? Could you sell yourself out of slavery? No. Slaves can't buy themselves out of, out of no. That's not how it works. Somebody has to buy you, right? Jesus Christ bought you out of slavery, And there was a price that was paid to do so. What was the price? His own blood purchased you. Do you understand? It was his own blood that bought you from that slavery. And here's the thing. 
Yes, he bought you. But I'm sorry what many a pastor will tell you this morning. You are not slaves to Christ. That's B. That's wrong. You are not slaves to Christ. You are free because the Son has made you free indeed. You're free to do what you want now. But Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, he bought you when you, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, sold into the, all of that, and all of that is our, our, our destiny that leads to a devil's hell. While you were sold to all that, God loved you so much that he purchased you out of it to be free. And if you're free, you're free indeed. However, don't use that as an occasion for the flesh. Don't use your liberty. Paul, uh, Paul. Wow, Robert, I just elevated you right there. Man, I just brought you right up to Paul. Robert's been telling us on Thursday night, he's been talking about the, where this has all gone to with liberalism and fundamentalism, although fundamentalism really is nothing more than liberalism today, just neat, neatly packed uh, differently. But listen, our liberalism is not to allow you to go do whatever you want to do. What does Paul say about that? God forbid. No. Why? Why would you go back to the vomit? Why would you do that? God bought you out of that predicament. Why in the world would you continue to live in it? Because justification leads to regeneration. The church house today does not need revival. It just doesn't. I get it. I understand. I ain't quote-unquote against it. You want to have a church revival? Have a church revival. Have fun with it. But you know what? I'd rather see transformation out of people because you can revive people for a moment. Transformation is forever. I could get you charged up to do something for a day or two. Right? I could. But I don't want you charged up to do something for a day or two. I want you charged up to do something for the rest of your life for him. That comes with transformation. We don't need revivals. We need transformation. And when transformation, or a biblical word that could be used here, when conversion actually takes place, that will lead to sanctification. However, note where you did nothing about the first stage of salvation, you do everything about the second stage. Because now God puts the ball in your court. And he says, okay, I took care of the problem. Now what are you going to do? And whatever you do with it is going to determine your glorification. And that's why I can't tell you. I can't look at you and go, you're not saved, man. I'm not the guy you got to worry about. He is. Now, God definitely very clearly lays out some very, very, uh, very, very point blank 
evidences of salvation, no doubt. I mean, heck, all you got to do is go to John 15. You know, what, what, what will a saved individual do? They'll, they'll, they'll abide in him and bear, bear not just fruit, much fruit. <laughs> I mean, so if you're winning people to Christ or you're talking to people to Christ and you're involved in discipleship and building them up in their faith and you're, you know, glory to you, hallelujah, amen. You're doing, the evidences are there of salvation. Although I would say, be a little careful there because in doing those things, you better make sure you're doing them for the right reasons. Because if you're not, I think you still could lead people to Christ and not be saved yourself. Y'all hear me on that? You've got to be doing it for the right reasons. You've got to, it's got to be because you love what he, you, you love him. It just really does. Uh, but what happens is, how does the belief in salvation affect everyday behavior as a Christian? This speaks both of your adoption and your identity in Christ. So the order of salvation, the, the golden chain, if you will, uh, the purpose of salvation is so God's election and predestination in you and in me as we are being conformed into him. The process of salvation found in verse 30 uh, of Romans 8. Uh, moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. Listen, this is, the, this is our calling. This is our justification. This is our glorification. The foundation of salvation is seen in verse 31 and 32 where he says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Because he is a good, good father. Yeah. You understand? Listen, in 33 and 34, who, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. That's why I say, I can't condemn you. All I can do is look at your life and say, listen, I don't know, man, but I don't see areas in your life where I'm seeing growth. Something, something's not right one way or the other. Only God can justify. Only he can do that. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died It doesn't say, there, it says, who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that condemns. Do you understand? So, so there is condemnation to those that are not in Christ Jesus. Now, verse eight, chapter 8, verse 1 tells us that there's no condemnation. What? Which are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, there is a condemnation that's coming. John chapter 3, verse 18. John chapter 3, verse 36. There is, there is a condemnation. There is trouble coming. Okay, you have to be, you got to remember how many times I told you in Ephesians? You have to be what? In Christ. If you're not in Christ, none of this applies. <laughs> the opposite does apply. <laughs> you understand? Okay, uh, listen. Uh, it talks about in uh, verse 34 uh, how uh, 
Uh, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, uh, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him. I am persuaded that neither death Life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, creatures, all that stuff. None of this can separate us from the love of Christ. None of it can. It's the finality of our salvation. It's the evidence of our glorification. Nothing. Well, if nothing can separate us from the love of Christ when we are in Christ, I got a question. You know what I'm going to ask? How can you lose that? Well, I don't believe you. I believe you can lose your salvation. Oh, really? Well, you got a problem here in this verse, these verses right here. You got a problem? If you're in Christ, did you do anything to get in Christ? So then what the heck do you think you can do to get out of him? Where, where did you get that idea? Where did that come from? I would almost say that if you think you can lose your salvation, I would almost say maybe you ain't saved. And at what point can you lose it? I mean, just think about, well, you certainly can't know you have eternal life in that situation because you don't have it until the day you die because you could lose it. So let's throw that verse out of the Bible because you can't know. You can't know because it just depends on where you're at when the day you die. You see what I'm saying? Listen, the Bible's very clear. The Bible's very clear to what salvation is is and what it looks like and so what i want to do over the course of whatever it takes is i really just want to go through this package man that i've, that I've given to you guys and, and and really talk about these things because i think we need to i think we need to understand them i think we need to get uh, a, a a biblical did you hear what i just said a biblical good jim heard me good i hope the rest of you did too listen we need to get a biblical understanding of what salvation is is that okay? I want a biblical understanding of this stuff. I don't really care what one Baptist church has to say or what Pastor Frank has to say or what Robert's got to say, Pastor Robert, or, or even what Jim's got to say or what any of you got to say about salvation. I don't care what the church down the street's got to say. I don't care what the famous pastor on the radio's got to say. I don't care what the Pope's got to say. I don't care what any of those people got to say about salvation because none of those people are going to save you. Who is the God of all salvation? Who is the author of... Who is the author of your salvation? Well, then we better find out what the author said. For real. For real. What did he say? Is everybody okay with that? 12, 14, and I'm done. Father, we come before you, Lord. just want to thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for your love. Thank you for what you've done for us. Uh, Lord, on this day as we celebrate Father's Day, Lord, certainly uh, we are grateful and thankful for all the good, good fathers that we have. Uh, in this house and, and, and those that may have gone on before us and, and however uh, that looks like for each of one of us. But uh, Lord, help us to remember that you are, you are the good, good Father. And that Lord, you would never forsake us, you will never leave us, and that you are the God of all comfort. And if we are in you, you are for us. And Lord, uh, that gives me great comfort because uh, Lord, you know, I don't always live the way I should. I don't always 
do the things I should, uh, the way that I know is pleasing to you. But Lord, please, please point that out when I do and, and help me to be uh, uh, humble enough to allow you to teach me uh, what it looks like to be in the image of your son. And Lord, uh, we love you. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the people in this church. Uh, Lord, it just blesses my heart uh, just to watch people grow and, and watch people uh, get on fire for you, Lord. Uh, I am so privileged that I get to be a part of this, uh, Lord. But I know it is nothing I'm doing. It is nothing Robert's doing. It's nothing that anybody in this church is doing. We've just submitted to your word, and you're doing it all because you're a good, good father. And you will look out for us. And Lord, will, you, will, you, will, we, will, be, will we be humble enough that when you are rebuking us and when you are chastising us, that we would take that from a good, good father and not from one that we think is trying to hurt us. Lord, we do love you and we do thank you. I hope that we have a great day. I, I do pray for uh, all the families as they spend time with uh, their families today, Lord. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe today's a day where Dads, we can talk to somebody in our family about you because maybe they would be willing to listen a little bit extra today. Uh, Lord, we do love you. We do thank you. Uh, and we do give you all the praise and glory because you certainly deserve it. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the church said, Amen. have a good day.